With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Straighty Cast. This week again I'm joined by Mike. Mike on the back of another win. Um, against Wolves, but before we last spoke, we, we, we came into to this Christmas period and predicting that United would qualify for the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup. We said that we would get four points from our next two league games. That was exactly the case. Mike, take us through those games. Well, the Everton performance was, I don't know about you, I thought we were terrific in that game. Um, I thought everything about it was really good. We completely dictated that game from start to finish. But we started really well couldn't get the goal in the first 20 minutes that we wanted to get but I think the way that we dealt with that was very good they didn't panic they just kept probing kept working away and they knew that they found a way through and uh, listen Everton are a good team Dale they're up in the top four this season they're a very very good sign I think Carlo Ancelotti has done a fantastic job there you talk about you know and I think better than maybe Everton fans could have even hoped for at this stage they're you know what he's done with them is terrific and um one of the things that worried me going into that game was the threat of Dominic Calvert-Lewin against our centre-halves, especially on set-pieces. I'm a big fan of Calvert-Lewin. I think he's a brilliant I think he's a brilliant centre-forward. And I think he's the kind of centre-forward that will cause our defence problems. But we dealt with it really well. I think what we did was we just made sure that they didn't have that much of the ball and cut off the channels of service going into Calvert-Lewin. And um, Cavani's goal was absolutely brilliant. You know, that's the goal of a, a real high-quality centre-forward. You could see that. His movement off the ball throughout the game as well was outstanding. There was two incidents that really stood out for me. There was one where um, Robin Olsen, the Everton goalkeeper, punts a ball long. And as he's running up to hit it, Cavani takes a look, obviously knowing where he's going to hit it, which is out to Michael Keane. And he's already on the move to Michael Keane before... The ball has even got to Keane and he ends up nicking the ball away and sets off an attack, but couldn't quite see it through. And then there was another one where Olsen, the ball comes to him and he just takes half a second too long and Cavani sees the way the goalkeeper is shaping his body to receive the ball and he's already thinking, 
you're going to take way too long with that. And he almost nicks the ball off in Dale. He's so close to taking it away. He's very unlucky. Do, um, do, do we know for Everton, as you mentioned, it was a good one because it's against a good side, right? And in the cup, we get us in the semi-final. It was a bit of a boost from, from that result. You mentioned the manager, um, Carlo Ancelotti, and the job he's doing. I'm just looking back to, to previous Everton managers who were given lots of money and who people probably expected to do better. And Ronald Koeman's one of them, who, 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 was, given a, who was given a lot of money to, to build his side. And you look at the job he's doing at, at Barcelona with, with some well, well-equipped squad. Not really, not well-equipped squad, but far better players than what he had at Everton. And last night, again, dropping points. You know, have Everton been guilty of just appointing poor managers? after Manager after manager? Because we know Ancelotti's a great manager. He comes in. And they're doing far better. Well, Italian coaches, especially high-level Italian coaches, are always a fairly safe bet, Dale, because of the way that they are educated. Covacciano is arguably the best school of coaching in the entire world. Um, And one of the things it teaches to its coaches is adaptability. And um, Carlo Ancelotti, even though he learned under Arrigo Sacchi, who was very, very dogmatic about how he liked to play, 4-4-2, high-pressing, never really had room for a traditional number 10. Um, Carlo Ancelotti, over the course of his career, and the reason he's managed to hang in so long is the way that he's been able to adapt his methods. He can go in, he can see a group of players, he can go, okay, this is the best way for us to play. And I think one thing you saw is obviously Rodriguez has been out injured for a little bit and he was in that first few games as their best player. And what Ancelotti did was he made up for that. He toughened up at the back. I mean, they lost Alan and Rodriguez, who were two the two big summer signings with arguably Decore. He made up for the shortfall for that by pushing, putting Sigurdsson in and pushing him really close to the centre forward. Um, and then he just sat in Andre Gomez, who I actually am quite a big fan of in midfield. Very good player, I don't yeah. think he's quite elite level, but he's a very, very good player. In with Decore, he's a really good player as well. Yeah. And um, has really toughened them up at the back. And obviously, he's, he's slowly but surely phasing Jordan Pickford out. I think we can all see that. He's not been starting every game. Um, I, I think if Carlo Ancelotti wasn't as bothered about that game, I think Jordan Pickford wouldn't would have played, and he didn't because I think he wanted to win. Um, I mean, in terms of Kuman, Kuman is the most overrated manager I've ever seen. Like he, he's good when he can. He's if you look at his record daily, he tends to be good in his first season if he does well anywhere, and then it starts to drop off a little bit afterwards. If you speak to Southampton fans, they hold him responsible for the decline that they went on until Hasen who all went in because of his player recruitment, which was extremely poor. Um, and really, he left behind a squad that just, just was not really fit for purpose. And then at Everton, he spent money on bad players. It wasn't just him. The director of football they had at the time wasn't very good either. And they replaced that guy as well. But I'm not. he was a failure at Benfica. He did really poorly at Valencia. Um, and I'm not surprised he's doing poorly at Barca. Um you know, I think people are now seeing how good a manager um, Ernesto Valverde is, by the way, for the job that he did where, which is frankly staggering. But yeah, he's not a very good manager. Speaking about another manager who I know we have respect for on the podcast, Brendan Rodgers. I know he's a former Liverpool manager, but you can't, you can't take away the work in which he's done 
Um, not just uh, even at Liverpool getting close to the title, but with Celtic and now with Leicester. That was a, a result, I think, at the time, Mike, at the weekend, disappointed with on Boxing Day. Um, because we played for the win. We were a better team, I'd argue. It was disappointing that although we took the lead twice, we were unable to keep those leads for a significant period of time. We were just thrown away. I don't think we lasted 5-10 minutes either of those goals. But that was disappointing. And I think it would have, it would have put a real marker down on that league table. But speaking about it today, I'm a lot more positive about it because we've beaten Wolves. I think that just really gives momentum. If those top teams that are around the top four, we play them when we get it. We get a point away from home. We've got to take it, surely. Absolutely. And Leicester will be in the reckoning for the Champions League places this season. I'm no yeah. question of that in my mind. They're a very, very good side. Yeah, I think the disappointing was going into the last 10 minutes being a goal up. You know, you want to see out the game, but there was just a general lack of concentration you know, it is always a dangerous period when you go a goal up in a game is that 10 minutes after the goal um, because that's when you are very vulnerable to concede. That's something Jose Mourinho always said. It's like that's the period of time when you want to shut the game down and take the sting out of it. And um, Alex Ferguson used to do the same as well. He'd either try and press on for a second or I think in some of the bigger games, the tighter games, which this one was, just form ranks make it difficult for the other team for the next 10 minutes and try and sort of mentally wear them out a bit. And we didn't really do that. We were a little bit open. The second goal was especially disappointing because the, the Harvey Barnes, was a, that was a really good goal. Um, although they should have closed him down, but he took it really well. The Vardy goal was disappointing. Eric Bailly is looking at Jamie Vardy as he drops off half a yard. And he just it's like his brain has just switched off. Um Vardy's and it's the last player, players. isn't it? It's the last player you want to give that space to against Leicester. Yeah, he's so good. His off-the-ball movement in the penalty area is probably better than any other centre-forward in the Premier League, I would argue. Like he's, he's really high quality and just do not switch off in that area. It wasn't just him. I think Shaw was poor for that goal as well. Um, Harry Maguire ball-watching, not looking back across. You know, if you're the guy that's the leader of your defence, sometimes you've got to... You have to quickly look around to scan the, the scenery and see what everyone else is doing just in case you need to just literally just fire a rocket at one of your other teammates. Get tight to him. Do, get close. Don't let him out of your sight. And he didn't. He's ball watching. It's like, don't be ball watching. Though. Know that Luke Shaw's going to be there. All right, he didn't do it. But you have to know, OK, there's one man covering. I need to see what's quickly going on. And the best defenders do that. He didn't do that there. So... It was very, very poor all around. I think Bailly is chiefly responsible. But there's plenty of blame to be going around for for, for that one there. And um, did you feel a point? Like, a point is go on. Did you feel that Bailly did enough against Leicester to start against Wolves? Because I thought he was very good at the back last night. Yeah, he was. The, he was actually pretty decent against Leicester. It was a tight game, mm. um, and I think you're right to say that we just about deserved the win. Not because Leicester were bad. I mean, Leicester no. were perfectly good. It was always going to be one of those games. Leicester weren't going to go down without a fight. I think um, but I they think were going like... to make it difficult for us. Which also shows you how much Brendan Rodgers has moved on as a coach. Yeah. And that they're so much more solid than they've been previously. You said this, that they were stronger last season. I think people like... I think Ndidi coming back into the team for that game was a big boon for them because he's a fantastic midfielder, especially in there with Tielemans as well. 
that's quite a formidable pairing in midfield that and um uh, but I thought Bailly was good, but he does that. He always is liable to just have a moment where he just switches off. Um, it always makes you think of Chris Smalling. Chris Smalling could be really good for almost the entire game, and he'd have one moment where he just switched off. And Rio Ferdinand, earlier on in his career, used to have the same problem where he'd just have maybe one moment in a game where he just switched off. But he, isn't that, Ferdinand, was so driven that he was able to get that out of his game. But Bailly needs to work on that. Isn't that where we're talking about Eric Bailey being a good centre-back and not being a, a top-drawer, world-class centre-back? You know, he has his weeks, he has his games. Remember his first season at the club, he was really promising, showed really good signs, quick and strong, maybe a bit rash at times, but that's part of his game. Sometimes I enjoy it. You know, sometimes I enjoy a defender who you don't quite know is he going to take the, the, the striker for a shortcut or is he going to take the ball cleanly. And... Look, I suppose he's got his chances and there's always been kind of spells where he's played well. But there's never we haven't had a season in which he's avoided injuries. And most of them have been his own fault. And I think you look at Phil Jones and we can all joke about him as well. But his development was really, really hindered by, by injuries. And I don't think it helps either with the likes of Phil Jones and Chris Smalling that... They were, they were there under Ferguson, and then when Ferguson retired, since then we've had managers be, being fired, different ideas. I think that's very difficult for any for any player. I think they've all been they've all been a bit of a victim to that. Um, but Eric Bailey, I'm delighted to see he's back in the team. Delighted to see Soldier can 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 trust him again because there was there was a, a long period of time in which he was starting Maguire and Lindelof, and Lindelof ahead of Bailey because he trusted him more. Now. If I had to pick between the two, I'm definitely picking Eric Bailey because at least he has the pace. Um, if there's a ball in the air, I know he's going to put his nose on it if, if that's all he has. But Lindelof sometimes runs away from headers. And I think if you had a back four or a back three and one of those players is running away from a high ball, that's that's a problem. That's yeah, a, that's a I mean, problem. his attributes about Lindelof's game that are good. I think his passing is outstanding. Yes, yeah. I think generally he's good at like reading free balls and things like that. But um, I, you know, I, I will roll back on my criticism of that he gets out muscled because I, I I do wonder. You saw was it in the Leicester game where he went off with his back? Mm. Clear, and he's been saying he's it's been All he's season. had these back problems, yeah. and I just wonder whether that's been that has maybe hindered sometimes where he's had to get into like a physical contest or a foot race with a centre half because. Listen, I've had back problems, and it's um, you are hesitant to really push yourself 100%. And in that respect, I give Lindelof a lot of credit for playing through what's going to be a lot of discomfort and you know, trying to give everything he's got. But literally, physically, when you have those issues with your back, you can't do it. So he does deserve some credit for that, Lindelof. You know, and him saying, Look, I'm pushing through because I want to help the team this season, whatever. Faults I can have with some of his attributes. That's a good attitude, um, and an attitude we've not seen enough from United players in the last few years. But yeah, I mean, Bay in terms of ability as a defender, that's night and day. Like Bay and his ability could be as as good as most defenders in the world. But the problem is he needs to stay fit. So yeah. he needs to stay fit from now till the end of this season at least. That's his first aim, and then he needs to stay fit for a full season. Another man at the moment who's been playing through pain in his shoulder, Marcus Rashford. 
Late on last night, right place, I suppose right time, Bruno Fernandes picks him out wide in the right and he cuts in and gets that winning goal. Just one of those players, Mike, that no matter what stage of the match, it must be a nightmare for the opposing defenders because if he gets the ball in the right position, it's just carrying just trouble. I had a feeling when, when I seen him cutting in last night and beating his first man where the ball was going to go. And I know it took a, it took a lucky deflection, but United, United deserved that. United deserved that lucky deflection because we pushed, pushed, pushed for 90 minutes. And it's lovely to see a team. Now, I can also um, appreciate what Wolves did last night. They would have been happy with a point. And this Manchester, this Manchester United team are watching a few years ago under Mourinho. There was games we played like that. Um, and I would have defended it on several occasions. But last night, it was tables turned. Manchester United were playing proactive football. They were going out for the win. And and they grinded and they got there in the end. And I think although it was frustrating at times and we're probably banging our heads off the pillows and around the sofa and stuff, but the reality is it was a hard fought win. They got across the line, three points on the board, were two points off Liverpool who were in first. A few months ago we were talking about potentially sacking the manager. Um <laughs> I thought listen. I think some of you guys at times, my fellow United fans, can get a bit carried away thinking there's some sort of conspiracy to get a league on a Solskjaer. It's not, it's not the case. Uh, I think it's actually, I think the, if you look at the broadcast media, they probably have been a little soft on him at times, I think. Especially the ex-players have been very, very soft on him. And I think all the print journalists are doing, certainly in the broadsheets, is doing what they're supposed to do, and they're asking questions, you know. Okay, why is why is it you think this guy's qualified for the job? Why do you think it's acceptable? I think it's right to ask questions when you lose six one at home, Dale. I, I, you know, especially um, and there was a couple of other games. I looked at like the. I think it was right to ask questions after losing at Leipzig. Especially, he just looked so bereft after that game, Dale Ollie. He did. I mean, he looked as sort of like puzzled as the the guys in the studio. And I wondered, there was a part of me that thought at that moment, as like, has he just, has he just like thrown his hands up with these players? Because I did wonder about that for, you know, in that interview, because I've never seen him, I've never seen him like that in an interview before. Like he, he um, and then I saw him after the, the City game saying that's the best we've played against City. And, and I said, no, it isn't. It just isn't. That's not true. You know, that's not true. We play better against City twice this year. So don't tell me that. Um, but um, I think the way we've recovered, that's what gives me a lot of encouragement. I still think going into, and I think Rashford was was absolutely right to say, let's not be talking about a title challenge yet. We're not even halfway through the season. It's 15 games. You know, I think Rashford was saying, let's be looking at it when there's 10 games to go. Are we still in the mix then? And I think that's a big deal because I've seen this with teams where they look like they're in the running and then they fall away in the last 10 games. I remember... Look at Chelsea, Mike. Look at Chelsea. A few weeks ago, people were talking about them being title contenders, and look how quickly that slipped out of their hands. You know, they've been... Yeah, let's say in the next 10 games, though, they win eight and draw two. Well, they're they're in the mix again, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true, it's true, yeah. And I I think it's, you know, I I definitely could see... I think I could see both you have said this, and I think I saw Gary Neville say this, Let's wait until the end of the season before you then, like, three years, three full seasons 
three seasons in the job, then let's have a look at it and see where he is. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I'll definitely concede on that one, especially at the moment. I mean, um, you know, obviously Pochettino's just gone to PSG now, hasn't he? And um, has that has that been confirmed? Not confirmed yet, but the thing well, is, I think it's going to happen. But he's going to look at that job, Pochettino, and think, let's be honest, I'm really not going to get my eye with this lot until next season. He's not, he's not an idiot. He knows that full well. And he'll be saying to Leonardo and the board, he's like, I'm sorry, this first six months, you'll get a few bits here and there, but we're going to have to wait because I need to sort out this bloody dressing room. Isn't there these... some positivity for Ali behind this with PSG? Because it takes... Hugely. It takes a, such a pressure yeah. off him because he's not got that guy looming over his shoulder anymore and sort of the other managers who were out of work, you look at people like Allegri, just, it was never the same talk with those guys. Um, and Pochettino was very much interested in the United job. That was one of the, I think there was maybe three jobs that he looked at. I think there was PSG, there was United and there was Real Madrid, the three jobs that he looked at that he was really interested in, in sort of taking on. And I think Bayern actually sort of was at his periphery as well. But, I mean, the job Hansi Flick did there um, has really just put pace to any of that. But it takes a huge amount of pressure of him. It's a lot of breathing room. It means the, the questions aren't going to be asked anymore. So now he can sort of focus. I mean, listen, I, I don't think for a second Oli was anything but wholly focused on the job that he was. But it's just going to... There is that thing of when you you, you know knowing that your employers are being asked all the time, on and off the record, which they were. We all know they were. He's not an idiot. He reads the newspaper, Solskjaer, watches the TV. He knows those questions are being asked. They're not going to be asked anymore. I will, uh, I will say, of- Mike, I have asked a question about about Solskjaer, and I, and I actually asked him, I felt apologetic asking about, was he going to get sacked after, after one of those games? Uh, but the stance has always been from the club that, they had no intentions whatsoever of sacking him. That they was... they always they always say that right up until when they sack someone. See, okay, see, so you're you're more of a cynic here. You're 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 not you're not buying it until because things because things of course of course things I, can not, turn it's, upside it's down. Not, it's not all, it's not Ollie Gunner that is the issue, and I, I think you know what after the start of the season we had and the, the setbacks we've had, I think the way he's managed to pull it back in the last few games. I think even if I personally wouldn't have handled Pogba the way he has, I think he looked as what has happened at Arsenal with Ozil and thought, I don't want that situation there yes. because that is something that's hanging over their heads. Because I would look at Arsenal right now and say, you probably should give Ozil a few games because he is he's not ideal, but he's what you're missing. And I think Oli can turn around and say, when Pogba does go, and there is an issue, and, and the way he does behave when he can go, Oli can sort of... There is a p- part of being a manager, especially now, is managing perception. And the perception is, Ollie's been a professional. Look at the perception. When people talk, apart from the odd biased person here and there, you know, look at Evra, who's clearly clouded by personal bias. Or look at someone like Julian Laurent, who's a brilliant journalist, but I think, again, he's clouded by personal bias. Or someone like Deshaun. But everyone else has generally taken the same view, that they've taken Ollie's side on this one, and they've all said the same thing, that Pogba and his agent have been an absolute disgrace. Raul has only done his job. <laughs> but, so I think Ollie can manage that perception, and there's a, be a little bit of managing that perception in the dressing room as well with the other players. I wrote a piece for a book on Pogba 
there in the summer and I spoke to, to Julian Lorenz about the perception, as you just mentioned, and it's interesting you brought him up because I, 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 I got this impression from, from Julian that it's almost a kind of an issue with the media in the UK. Um, Paul Pogba, I only learned from this, this conversation that he only does regular media when he's with the French team. So he does. He's no problem speaking to the French media or anyone. But when it's with Manchester United, he very rarely does so because he doesn't trust the media. Now, Julian Renz is a is a is a French journalist, and he he also obviously he's on our screens with with DT Sport and stuff. And he's someone I I hold in high regard. He's really really good at what he does. But on this, I just couldn't agree because Paul Pogba and we we we've been critical of him on the podcast and on the blog. Does himself no favors. Okay, and I know I'm not talking about Atten recent that's happened. We've already discussed the Riola thing, and right now he's playing well at times. Didn't play well against Wolves, but he's he's no. standing in in games and he, he's doing a bit more than what he was doing. And I'm happy with that. I'm happy if we can go to the end of the season, he can make some contributions before he leaves. Fantastic. But the fact of the matter is, the reason why Paul Pogba gets so much um, criticism in the press and from different um, personalities that are connected to Manchester United is he does himself no favours he doesn't it's, perform and that's he part of it too perform. big part yeah that's why he does himself no favours he doesn't perform look it's all very well saying how well he did at Juventus we went through this several weeks ago when I when I went through the players that he was playing with at Juventus he had no responsibility in that team whatsoever He's 27 now. If he thinks he's going to go back to Juventus and he's going to think he's got the same, oh, I, I'll just do what I want. No, they're going to go, no, Paul, we're bringing you in as a senior player here. We're bringing you in as a seasoned professional. We are expecting you to carry the load of being a leader. And that's something shouting at people, but we certainly expect you to lead by example in that dressing room. And he, he doesn't. He doesn't lead by example. And it's all very well said. Oh well, he does well for France. What, what's that? Six to ten games a year. Yeah. Oh, he does well six to ten games a year. And let's count in the United games he plays well. Fifteen games a year. Then he plays well fifteen games a year. That's he's not a world class player. I remember the last time he had a situation like this with a player was Cristiano Ronaldo when the, the thing with him going to Real Madrid and United sort of. I think clearly what was happened was I think at that. Real Madrid president was Ramon Calderon, but there was the elections coming up and Perez was coming in. And clearly what had happened, because the relationship between United and Perez and his uh, board at Real Madrid is actually very, very good from what I've gathered. And Perez's relationship with Mino Riola is not good. I told you this before. There's not a single Mino Riola client on the books at Real Madrid. I don't think there has been in the entire time of his second presidency, which tells you everything about what he thinks of the guy and what he thinks of players that play underneath him. That's why they didn't go for Matthias De Ligt in the end. That was why he went, no, not going to do that. Um, and there was clearly an informal deal done between United, Perez and Ronaldo and Mendes for next season, you can go next summer. And the, thing that you, the reason United did that was because Ronaldo was worth the hassle. Ronaldo delivered. He went out, he delivered every single week. Um Pogba doesn't. He hasn't done in four years. Ronaldo's done more in one year than Pogba's done in four. No, I, I, I can't disagree with that. I know we, we feels like every week we bring Pogba up and 
he's a big topic of conversation. But look, he is he is one of the biggest names in the dressing room. Um, when he plays, it makes headlines. But something I wanted to to, to briefly touch on was Manchester United, an, an area in which we can improve on, and I suppose it could it could be a, a topic that we finish up on with this podcast, Mike. Is an area we can strengthen on in January. I'm lo- I'm looking at the the league table and I'm looking at the weaknesses in the United team. And is there any, is there any maybe area we could look at? Could we get in someone on a, on a free in January? Someone that's maybe past it but could could stand in. Because one area I'm looking at is our inability to defend set pieces, and it, it's yeah. it's getting to the point that we're going we are going to drop points as a result of it. There's games in which. It's it's so it's so easy it's so easy I, I I'm predicting games which we're going to concede a corner in depending on the opposition, and if you have that going into pretty much every game, you're not going to get lucky every week. And there's going to be weeks where things are going to go against your way. You know you need to address that big time. Yeah, and if we are going to be serious about challenge for this league title this season, Dale, we have to do it because if we don't solve that, that's not that's not going to happen. Because United, we're competing against a Liverpool team that is, even without Virgil van Dijk, is still the best team in the league um, at both ends of the pitch. Um, and we have to sort that Ooh. out. It's... Both ends of the pitch? Yes. Do you not reckon this, that'll be a debate by the end of the season? I reckon it will. Because last season, our front three, I believe, outscored their front three and they won the league. Right, so if you were offered, if you were offered, Mar- so you would take Martial, Rashford, and Greenwood over um, Salah, Mane, and yes. Firmino. Yeah, I'm taking and that's Archer. Not even inclu- and that's not even including Jota. I'm, ta- uh, no, I'm taking Archer. You're, to- you're, you're, you're talking nonsense. You're talking nonsense. Salah's better than any of our front three. You're having a laugh, mate. He's uh, sorry. Salah has done it. Salah is a proven commodity. Mane like, hasn't had say- a good season. No, he hasn't, but he's had a previous good three seasons <laughs> under his but, belt. Yeah, but, yeah, he's but, not had a bad season, but that always happens with Salah and Mane. Mason Greenwood. Last season when Salah wasn't scoring, Mason Greenwood's still a kid. Like he, he can't he, even, I, I, I'm not even making that comparison right now. And what I'm saying, yeah, but you're asking me, would I rather have our tree or their tree? Right now, I would rather our tree because Mason Greenwood's going to turn into a better player than the three of them. Marcus Rashford probably, is there's incredible. Not, there's not, pr- probably on Greenwood, but there's never any guarantees. You mm. you have to. He, he has to still be putting the work in, and obviously, United have had a little bit of trouble with that this season with him, and they haven't been entirely convinced about he's not been looking after himself in the right way. Um, I just think I wonder whether just the circumstances the last year in general for all of us has maybe just had an effect on him mentally because he's still so young. I think that's. There's probably what's going on there. Um, so, uh, you know, it's... No, listen, right now, Liverpool's front three is still the best. It's, it's still a better... It's still, a, you know, I think I'd take them over Son and Kane. Like, they're that good. Maybe not Son, actually. No, I'd take Son over anyone in the yeah, league. Yeah, take Son over <laughs> anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Son, Son's really good, yeah. Yeah, I think we, we can all agree on that. But no, no standing... Don't, don't get me wrong, Dale... I don't think there's a. I don't actually. It's in a, there's not a huge gap between them, and technically, I would say it's actually a front four United because it's Fernandez. Fernandez is basically a 
I mean, he's, he's certainly a goal-scoring midfielder. Has he scored 14 goals, is it, this season? Something crazy. Assisted again last night. It's every week yeah. a goal or assist, pretty much. Every yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's... Um, I don't know how he keeps going, to be honest. <laughs> they're going to have to rest him for the... You know, if we play the cup game, they're just going to have to rest him but, for that but, cup game. Just, just not playing, but... Just going back um, to that... No, I, but there's, there's not much between them. I think if you look at you know, Liverpool's front three, and then I think... You know, his front three is is next best. That's not a bad thing. You know, I, I think I think we will overtake few... them. I think we will overtake yeah, them in, yeah. in, in in that in that department, hundred percent. But ju- but just on Fernandez, you mentioned them. That game against Wolves last night, in the last ten minutes, before obviously before our goal came, you could I could see it by him. He was bubbling. He he was pissed off. Um, and he he was running around the place and getting into tackles that he could get hurt in, and. There wasn't many players doing that. I think Rashford has a bit of that fire in his belly too in those stages, as you can see from his goal. You can't it's not have a coincidence en- that they work together so well. Those yeah, two yeah. It, you can't have enough of that. You really can't. And I think if we could maybe inject one or two more players of that nature, of that kind of attitude, and that falls to that category, I think Manchester United could be a really, really serious team. And that's why what so- I've been trying to say all, all, all season is I. I'm not getting ahead of myself. I don't think we're going to win the title. But I would be very happy to see us challenge, to get that taste of what it's like to be in a title race. And every day We need we... to be winning it. We need to be, we need to be playing in finals this year. Yeah, That's the yeah, thing. We need to yeah. be getting to finals this it's, year. It's all about building. It's all about building we need to squad. Get, we need to, need to win one trophy, bare minimum. Even if it's the Carabao Cup, that's fine. The players need to get the... Need to be... I know some of these players have played in finals... But they need to be... The thing with Ferguson was one trophy season. It's got to be at least one trophy every single season. Mm. And that's what... The, and I think that's what Ollie's aiming for. I think he wants to be aiming for bare minimum one trophy every season. And I don't think anyone was probably more disappointed than he was that they got to semi-finals and they didn't get to the finals and they didn't see it through. Because I know you could say they're on out of steam, but I just think mentally they just didn't have it in them to see those... Games through the, um, it was the Chelsea one that was the most disappointing because he was just so limp and pathetic. And I'm like, we beat that team twice in that season, and to go and lose in the way that we did was so disappointing. Um, Chelsea didn't even have to be that good to beat us convincingly. That wasn't really disappointing me. So we need to be putting that right. This Carabao Cup semi final this year is a one off game, and I. When's it going to happen though? Oh, who knows? Who knows? And that's something we can. You know that that's going to be that's a whole podcast on its own. I think yeah. about what needs to be done there, but I think it's going to be hard to find a defender of the quality that we need. I don't want us to just be buying a body, but I do think United can be looking to get a holding a really good holding midfield player to come in. There are players out there, and I think that should be United's aim. Someone who is really going to screen the defense, but also get a grip of one or two people in midfield as well when they're not doing their jobs. You know takes a bit of the pressure off. All right, it's a different position with Bruno, but it just takes a little bit of the pressure off him and a bit of that responsibility to know that there's someone else there digging people out. I still think when it comes to centre-half, I will say this repeatedly, David Alaba is available on a free this summer. I, I know his preference is to play in Spain, but United's priority should be, they should be going all out to try and get that guy. Be like, how much do you want? <laughs> like Apparently United are shying away because of his wage demands. 
Um, I believe United shied away from Edison Cavani the last time we went in for him because of his wage demands. We'll just wait till Alaba is 40. We'll wait till Alaba's 40 and sign him. <laughs> but, he's but, 28, man. He's 28. <laughs> they, need to, they need to... Honestly, he is... He's arguing the top three players in the world in about three different positions. Mm-hmm. I think so much to the table. He's such a brilliant player. I'd just be crazy not to seriously make him a play to get him. I, I, you know, I, I think that's priority. I mean, he's he's going to be the... But I think Ole wants up a Meccano, right? That's the guy that he wants at the back. Just, just, just get someone who can defend. Just get someone who can defend. Um, Sam Pilger... Well, we, I mean, that should be not... Should be not if maybe seriously considered signing Thiago Silva then in the summer should we not have done that I mean I don't think we should have because no, I don't think no, it's very good No, but I'm just throwing this out there as a devil's advocate thing well y- y- yeah you're right because you don't just jump at anyone that, that's available and you have to get the right player but I also scratch my head on and you can't be too fussy because you look at the defenders we have how, 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 how can how can soldiers be fussy you know, so maybe we should have signed him then. <laughs> maybe, but I don't think you, you go you go to that extent. Look, Thiago Silva's passed his best. You've you've Upper McCann who they could be looking at who would be an improvement and has a has a higher ceiling right now, um, in terms of he's going to develop into a better player. Still young though. He's still young. All these things come into it. But I just wanted to jump before we wrap it up, Mike, to a tweet that Sam Pilger posted last night. And it's just basically the Bruno Fernandes, um, it's it just his influence on this Manchester United team. And to sum it up, he said, Manchester United have now taken more points than any other team in the Premier League since the end of January 2020. This is real progress. And I, and I know what, what you're saying is right about Fergie and you have to win a trophy every year and that should be the aim. And we got to three semi-finals last year and didn't win any of those. But but looking at the positives behind it, the league form has dramatically improved. We're, I know at home we haven't been great this season, but baby steps. League form has improved. In the cup la- cups last season, three semi finals. That was his first full season in charge, and I wouldn't put my nose up at that. If he can go on this season, and he has to win one, he's got to win a trophy this season. I feel. And it would it would be it would it would be brilliant. It'd be brilliant. Lovely to see things now coming together. Um and there will be a few bumps between now and the end of the season. No question about it, because there's no team in, in this in this Premier League right now that it has been consistent. Liverpool at the top haven't been consistent. We're two points behind. Can you remember how bad we were at the start of the season? So it's just it's crazy how it works out. And as well as that, I will say in the weekend we conceded six. They went and conceded seven. <laughs> you know, it's 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 it, 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 it's it's crazy. So I'm looking at the the league here. What Sam what Sam has has referred to 2020 when Bruno first came in, and if you remember, this was a, that was about a month and so. No, yeah, we were having a really bad first half of the season. And Bruno came in and turned it around. Really really bad, yeah. We finished third. How did we finish third? Well, well, let's be fair. Liverpool were, man, they were so far ahead of everyone. And we actually ended up with a lower point source than we got the previous season when we finished sixth, fifth. I think we got like two points less than we did the previous season. So that was, everyone was taking points off each other. 
and um, which meant that all it needed that if one team could put a run of games together, they could fly up the league. Yeah. Which was exactly what happened because United at this stage last year were in the midst of their worst start to a season since 1986. If anyone wants to know what happened in 1986 after that start of the season, Ron Atkinson got fired and got replaced by Sir Alex Ferguson. That was what happened that season. I mean, it was that was that was appalling that start. I think we were all for even even some people such as yourself, Daly, really would have backed Solly, probably would have wavered a few times in games last season and thought, Jesus Christ, this is this is so bad. Mm. Um, although, I, to be fair, I mean, I think we looked at some of those players that you know, look at someone like Pereira, who is not good enough for Manchester United, and thought can't even fucking start for Lazio. Can't even start for Lazio, and he was in our squad last season. No, I'm sorry. No, he, but like, no, of course he can't start for Lazio. Have you seen Lazio's midfield? You've got Milinkovic, Savic, okay, okay, Luis okay, Alberto. Okay, okay, he okay. shouldn't be starting for Lazio. Okay, he is so a squad player. Why, That's all he why is. on earth did he go to Lazio? On loan for I the think... season. What? What? Like, Because you go on loan, you go on loan to play. And this is my problem with, with, with Pereira, because he went to Valencia a few seasons ago. Um... And I think he trying his ties, ties out of his pram a bit with, 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 with Van Gaal before that move because Van Gaal didn't want him going out on loan. So Mourinho said he could go out on loan and he, he picked Valencia, although his agent at the time told him it wouldn't, have been, it wouldn't have been a good move because Valencia had a load of young players that season and there was no guarantees he was going to get into the squad. He didn't. A waste of time. So that stunted they had a his development. Of a season as well. Valencia that season. So whoever's making decisions for Pereira, I know he changed age, and I think it could be his dad. I don't know who who's in charge now, but a lot of lot of lot of answer, questions he'd answer in there. Another close. He's, another 20, he's, 20, he's twenty-four years old. Uh, he's just not very good. He's not a very good player. No, he's not. No, absolutely not. I think you know you need to find a way. To get rid of him, it's a shame that he's gone to a club on loan. He's not going to get game time, at least with Chris Small in last season. You know, he was playing every week. And then there was a reason for that club to go and buy him. You know, he's playing well. If, in, why didn't United send yeah. a second-tier Spanish squad or something? Or get rid of him. Well, he did that as well. He went to Granada. Granada. And yes. didn't work out well there either. Yes. They got relegated. That well, was the season where you had Tony Adams doing the dancing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that video's going up on YouTube, definitely. The jazz hands. <laughs> so, Mike, um, we're spending New Year's with Ollie. I'm going to ask you to give us a wish for 2021. 2020 has been a bad year for a number of reasons, but we're finishing it on a high alongside Solskjaer. What's your wish? Uh, strong top three finish and most importantly win a trophy. That's hey, the that's, wish. That's realistic. You know, I didn't say it had to be realistic. Um, what's the wish what's the wish is that we win the league win the league that's the wish <laughs> yeah that's that's the wish we win we win the league yeah that's what's going to happen no in all, all seriousness what I'm hoping for is I want to see Manchester United challenge for the title I'm not going to go out and say that I'm hoping that we win it of course I hope we win it but it's just to see these players put a bit of a challenge in and not to see Liverpool, who would probably win it, win it comfortably. Because a few weeks ago, it looked like Spurs were going to challenge when people were talking about it. And then, just fell away. They're, they, they are not going to be the one to, the ones to stop Liverpool winning a 20-league title. And I, I, I promise you that. Um, so it's probably going to be up to our good selves. And hopefully the players can stand up and, and 
do the job. Mike, thanks for joining me again this week. Hopefully, 2020 brings happier times, talking about full stadiums and players not being contracted by viruses, and we can all hopefully enjoy Christmas next year properly. Yes, please. (laughs) Mike, thanks for joining me, and we'll see you again soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.